Okay, I'm sitting here with my maternal grandfather, my mom's dad, with the name Lev, which I actually think is a really awesome name. Um, and I just, yeah, I wanted to interview you, Papa, for the reason of longevity's sake. And so I just got my little iPhone memo out and yeah, take, tell us, tell us about yourself. Take us back to um, pre-gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, little Lev. Yeah, Little Lev. Well, I was I was named after my grandfather, um, who apparently was um, some somehow or another became uh, came through German Austria, some some way or another, and um, my mother's sisters mainly had already had sons, but nobody got the name. So I got the name Lev Lamont, which means to sorrow for. Well, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, like, um, you know, to lament. That is so interesting. <laughs> and some people have done that. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was born in a little Griffin Hospital in Valdosta, Georgia. After I was born there, it actually was torn down and became a Winn-Dixie. And when people as a kid asked me where I was born, I actually was born in Winn-Dixie. But anyway... <laughs> Like the grocery store? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I was born in Valdosta. My dad was a machinist, and my mother was um, born out in Nichols County, which is the next county over from Valdosta. I don't know to this day how they met, and I, I didn't think enough to ask when they were around. So Mom died when I was 10. Dad died in 83, and I was... Uh, well, whatever. Uh, but still, you know, we weren't around Dad that much because once Mother passed away uh, in at 36, um, he was, um, he, well, he was a, a drunkard, I would call it that. And so he didn't raise us. We went to live with our grandmother, aunt and uncle, and on the farm out in uh, Eccles County. <clears throat> so I, from the time I was 10 until graduating, school. I lived on this big farm. And actually, I lived in paradise, but I didn't know it <laughs> really at the time because it was 1,780 acres there. And so I could do, I had chores. I had farm things to do, but but still, we had the river. We had, we had a, a private 75-acre pond. We had woods to hunt in. Uh, everything a guy in that time would want, I was there. <clears throat> But a side note from that is that I, I, um, I worked on the farm. I picked tobacco. Um, I, I did. I took care of animals, but I didn't get paid. But I got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had an attitude somewhere around sixteen or seventeen. And I thought I needed to run away from home. Did you? No, I never did. But I, I was, I was feeling sorry for myself, and really, it was just me. <laughs> just. <laughs> I wanted to be free. <laughs> That's pretty typical, right? Yeah, but I couldn't figure it out. So anyway, um, take the story back to uh, Valdosta. We lived uh, on Lee Street. We first lived in a little two-story house on Lee Street. And um, just a very few memories from there. I remember back in the day when they would put, um, they would do the old cast iron Water pipes went out 
the outside of the house going up. And I remember one of my memories is sliding down. I would use that as a mode of transportation from the <laughs> ground up. I can't remember. It seemed like there was a window close by. Okay. I wouldn't want my kids or grandkids doing it, but I did it. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, we moved down the street. Dad still worked there in Valdosta. And I, um, um, my mother, I don't remember her taking us to Sunday school and church, but I remember her sending us to a little uh, Lee Street Baptist at the time. doesn't exist now. But uh, it was just on the same street, Lee Street. And, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I don't think that we were every Sunday kids but we were we were on our own pretty much so you know and side note to that is is I did sell boiled peanuts my mother would boil peanuts and I would go down on the street in Valdosta going up and down the street and uh, and and I'd be my call was fresh boiled peanuts how old were you at that point well I was probably uh, seven eight nine in that area because she died when I was ten okay and so this was your first oh, yeah. way of making money. Oh, yeah. Did you get to keep any of the money? I did. Okay. But I don't remember what I did with it. But yeah, that I, is... I think I sold the peanuts for 10 cent a bag, maybe, or maybe a nickel bag. It might have been a nickel bag. It was That's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, it would have been many, many, well, 70 years ago at least. And, okay, so this is something that would be fun to talk about is your journey through... All of your adventures. Yeah, because you have this. Yeah. Okay, so for those who are listening that don't know, um, Papa has been, your biggest career has been pastor. Yep. And I don't even know if you call it career or calling more. Calling, it's calling. Um, but that was kind of the main gig. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but you always had something going on the side. I've always, uh, always wanted to have a piece of land. And I pretty much have done that the whole time. And the main reason I bought Grand Acres was because I had some grandkids uh, uh, coming along. And I wanted them to have a place to go. And we and, did. Yeah. <laughs> we had so yeah. much fun. And we started off with 10 acres and then added actually 20 because Sonia and David bought the house in five out of that next 20. So that left me with the 15 acres, which made... 25 acres for us and then five acres in the house for Sonia and David. But anyway, yeah. um, um, yeah, so you, so you started out with boiled peanuts and mm -hmm. then what was your next thing? Okay. Well, I was in, uh, of course, uh, when mom died, we moved out to the farm and I started school in Statenville and in Statenville, um, of course, I had to ride the bus, dirt roads. It was all dirt roads then. It was 11 or 12 miles from home. Plus, you had to take the pig paths to pick up kids out in the woods, you know, that, that kind of led off of that main dirt road that went to Statenville. So we were a long time getting to, to school in the morning. Okay. It didn't, it was a long bus ride down a lot of rough roads and, uh, but anyway, I, well, I went on to go to school, and and um, I um, graduated. My uncle wanted me to he he wanted me to lean toward um, being a mortician. There was like, a you mean like yeah 
like yeah. helping after people's exactly in a, in a funeral home. Oh wow! Okay. And was he a mortician? Do what? Was he a mortician? Oh no, he was just a farmer. Okay. <laughs> Why did he want you? He to married be? the school teacher that 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 taught right down the road, and she was twelve, thirteen years older than him. And I think their relationship started while she was in. Back in that day, back in the country, they would hire the family. The community would hire somebody to be the teacher. Okay. So they would they would meet in a uh, in a little house, and and just the kids in that community that they'd be taught all in one class, like first grade, second grade. So you grade. were in a one room schoolhouse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And all the kids were together, one teacher, and so he he married Aunt Fanny. She was the teacher. Okay. Um, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> I um, I didn't feel like I wanted to be a mortician. That wasn't what I was thinking. I still can't get over it. Where did this idea for him come from? Well, because he knew the the funeral home was the only one that we ever used. Anybody in our family okay. always used Carson McLean in Valdosta. And he knew them. And But now... He wouldn't push me to do that. He yeah. was, but that was just something that he was thinking. There came a day that um, I told I told Uncle Gerard. I said, Uncle Gerard, I cannot. Uh, I need to have a profession, and I can't. If if I were to take on the farm, because we had timber. You, you imagine maybe a thousand acres of timber and then the rest of it in farmland with hogs, cows, everything else that we had. I said, if the time comes that the farm is sold, I'm out of a, I'm out of a job, which I was right about, by the way. Yeah. So I said, I, and there had been a recruiter, let's say a recruiter that had been a school administrator that had come to the school and was presenting... Uh, North Georgia Technical and Vocational School, and and they and I was all I, I was all, always taking stuff apart, see how it worked. Rarely did I get it back together and working, but <laughs> but anyway, so um, I decided I wanted to go to that that school. And since Mother had died and and Dad wasn't raising us. Um, we were eligible for some Social Security. Okay. And so I went to Clarksville, Georgia, to North Georgia Technical and Vocational, and went through the what's called the electric shop. So I went through uh, refrigeration, which would be refrigerators and window air conditioners at that time, um, electric motor winding, and also... Um, Appliance repair, washers, dryers, disposals, you name it. Okay. So I graduated on Friday. I'll make it short. I, I graduated on Friday, but Georgia Power Company representatives had come to the school, interviewed the guys that they were interested in, and I was one of those guys. So I graduated school on Friday. We drove home all night Friday from North Georgia to South Georgia. Saturday morning, I got a phone call at the farm from the head of Georgia Power, and his name was Arthur Perkins. And he said, this is Arthur Perkins, and I'd like to know if you would like to go to work for Georgia Power. And I said, uh. Oh. <laughs> and I said, yes. And so 
he had hired, they had hired me and a, another guy from Douglas, Georgia, that we were there together, and then two other guys. And um, so I, I communicated with him, and um, Uncle Gerard took me to Douglas on Sunday, which was the day after <coughs> I got a call. busy weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I graduated Friday, drove from wow. North Georgia to South Georgia, got the call on, on Saturday. Uh, Sunday, took off to Atlanta. Monday morning um, at 10.30, I was out on the floor uh, on my birthday in 19... Seven of uh, sixty-three. July first. Yeah, <laughs> July first on my birthday, I was hired. They measured me for my uniform, and I was out there on the floor working. Why? So it seems pretty. They didn't take everybody, obviously. Oh, no. Very few. So did they tell you why they picked you? No, but I will tell you this. Yeah. When I took the mechanical aptitude test, the big deal came and told me. He said, "Lev." You made the highest grade on the uh, mechanical aptitude that's been made. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. You know? <laughs> so, and, and I know I didn't get it from Daddy, but I got it something like... Well, it's just wired. It's, it's well, wired. It, it's mechanical. Oh, yeah. yeah. I thought you meant electrical. But anyway. I was joking because wired is double. Yeah. But it is like your brain. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I went to work for Georgia Power, and and at that time, there was no circular... Uh, expressway around around Atlanta, and so it was I seventy five through it. I eighty five would um, veer off, kind of northeast southwest, <coughs> and um, so I was a country boy that had never really been in a big city, and I had to learn how to navigate that. And I can't go into all, it would take forever to tell you what all I did at Georgia Power, but there are some high spots there. At Georgia Power, I was, I was kind of that guy that they would, they would say, learn how to do this. And so two things fit in there. One of them was, is they, they said, um, now this is a long time, as time goes on, uh, one of them was, is Lev, go in there and get that Maytag dryer and learn how to paint. So we had a paint booth, and we, at that time, we were selling appliances, Georgia Power selling appliances, they had a, an appliance division that would sell brand new appliances all over Georgia in, in actual stores, appliance stores, and they would also have a small appliance repair in each one of those, and um, and then, of course, when they told me to learn how to paint, I painted that thing 20-something times and um, learned how to paint. Yeah. The other thing they told me to do is they, at another time, they, they told me to go in there to the small shop, <coughs> which would be where all the, back then, you didn't throw away um, irons, toasters, any small plants, you didn't throw them away. People brought them to us and we repaired them. And um, like I remember putting a cord on an iron was like a dollar, something like that. And people back then, they, they're different than they are today, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, they'd wear that cord out uh, right where it goes in. At that, there's a, there was a spring. It would go in there and that spring would 
<clears throat> try to protect it. But anyway, so I learned to run a small shop, doing the repairs, selling parts. And where I was was what's called the general service headquarters. So I handled parts for the whole Atlanta division. Not only did I sell parts and send parts and order parts for the other shops, but I also had to repair what came in. So that was that's where my signature went crazy. Mm. Having to write stuff fast. And uh. <laughs> my signature morphed into something that only the people that know my signature can know who I am. So those two things, the way they fit, and I'm leaving out a lot of stuff, the way they fit is this. Uh, learning how to paint meant that I had to buy my materials from <clears throat> a local parts store. And I had to buy my paint, I had to buy sandpaper tape, and all those things you would use for any kind of painting, like automotive supplies. This parts company had automotive supplies, but they also had formulas for mixing different colors. Like back then, Harvest Gold and Avocado were real popular colors on refrigerators. And these people buy a new refrigerator or dishwasher and they want to change that color. And I was a guy that did that for the whole Atlanta division. Uh, so I'm buying my paint and body supplies, my stuff from this parts company and and uh, John McGinnis was one of the partners in that business. J.C. Daniels was the founder of it. And that's why it was Danco, but Johnny came in as a partner. And that fits into this story. <coughs> well, when my foreman was changed at Georgia Power, the foreman that I had that would send me all over Atlanta would let me take a, he would let me drive to the big, um, general service headquarters and get a company vehicle. In fact, it was a little ranchero that they're rare now, but anyway, I would get that and drive it to whichever one of the six or seven stores I was going to be relieving because when they went on vacation, I'm the guy that came in, took over their whole operation and ran it. And then I'm gone again to the next one. And so when we changed the foreman there, uh, a man named Tom Jones came in, <coughs> and Tom Jones was kind of a country, uh, I mean a company guy. He was so afraid that, you know, that he's going to do something that would make the higher-ups um, say something. Jimmy Cruz, the one that I had that was the one that understood this, uh, would let me take it, but Tom Jones didn't. So anyway, I'm not saved at that time, not a Christian, and uh, I'm, <coughs> excuse me, I'm uh, relieving the store at Decatur, Georgia. I called him on Monday and asked, and told him what Jimmy was letting me do beforehand. He said, I just don't think I can do that. And I said, well, you need to check that out, make sure. Next day, I called him back. He said, I just can't do that. And I was <clears throat> very upset <coughs> because I was having to drive my vehicle to all over the Atlanta area. When I didn't hire on there, I hired on the Forest Park. Mm -hmm. And so I just blew my steam off. And I said, Tom, you just marked this down. I'm looking for another job. <laughs> well, I really wasn't because people didn't quit Georgia Power. Uh. Right. However... 
In about two months, the man that I was buying my paint and body supplies from called me and asked me if I'd like to go in business with him. Now, I'm unsaved, wow. so I can't say I prayed about it. <laughs> <coughs> and a little side note here is that I've never applied for a job in my life. Wow, that's crazy. They have, every yeah. one of them have called me. Wow. Yeah. And so, remember, uh, Arthur Perkins called me for Georgia Power. Uh-huh. Johnny called me and asked me, that was my second job, asked me if I'd like to go in business with him. I almost had a nervous breakdown. I, I hyperventilated a couple of times. Because you were and, so excited? Huh? Because you were so excited? Yeah. Oh, you don't quit Georgia oh. Power. Back then. You came from the farm and you got a little a little bit of education. Because it's a steady job, so you just use, oh, you just stick yeah. there. Yeah, it's like working for Delft. Okay. Anyway, I blew my steam off and I didn't had no clue and I didn't pray because I wasn't saved. And... Uh, I think I took a, a week or so to decide. And finally, I just said, I'm doing it. And I went in. What I did, I'll tell you what I did. Um, I, I put in from a two weeks vacation. And I, I worked with Autocote, which was our company. Um, Autocote Incorporated. I, um, I worked those two weeks. And um, you can't read it, Bethany, but I that's can. what it says. Auto I can. <laughs> he just pulled out a um, comb, and it has auto coat on it. So that's for men. That is for men. You keep that every I keep with that. You? I never throw away stuff that's right. And so what? Okay, so you keep that with you all the time. Just because I've got um, a few of them at the house, and I've never been without an auto coat comb. That's amazing. Okay, I did not know this. So, um, I worked my two weeks, and uh, I came in, and two weeks vacation, I came in, and I had R.C. Sullivan was my big boss, and he was, actually his office was there, but he was over all the Atlanta division, and I just went in and told him that I... um, I wanted to quit, but I wanted to quit right, and mm-hmm. I wanted to work out my um, two weeks notice if he wanted me to. And um, I said, I I want to work it out if you want me to. If I'm going to get a, a bad mark on my record, then I'll work it out. Otherwise, if you're okay, then I'm okay to go on. And R.C. Sullivan said, it's fine. You can do that. Um, <clears throat> I won't give you a, a bad um, mark for that or whatever. I yeah, yeah. Then. I left and went. To, uh, I went to um, Autocoat Incorporated. We sold paint, body supplies, like I said. And the first, maybe the first six months, we had bought out what's called a wagon jobber, and that's a man that travels around in a big van with the most often used supplies that a body shop would need. So we took Bondo sandpaper, uh, paint thinners and stuff that, you know, that all of them need. Mm -hmm. And then I would call on body shops all over the Atlanta area. I took his wrapped, the one we bought out, and um, then we um, merged that into Autoco Incorporated. Okay. 
and and the object was just to get to know all the body shops personally me is what it was okay yeah and so, so you're basically going around in this van selling like all these products I'm meeting all these men that run these body shops and letting them know who we are letting them know who i am <clears throat> and building some some relationships with these body shops and i would call on some that didn't do business with us mm -hmm. but but we wanted to, them to do business with us and we did get them wow in fact just for this yeah. um we were the largest c schedule uh, distributor what we call c schedule is commercial okay uh in the southeast wow. and we had all three major lines of paint Wow. We had DuPont, Ditzler, and Sharon Williams. So did you make good money there? First year that he was in business, he did 60-something thousand total. Oh, my. Well, that is huge for then, right? The, the year that I sold out to him, I think we were close to a million, but I can't remember now. What? Mm -hmm. That And that means something way different than it does now even, right? Mm -hmm. What would that, just off the top of your head, like, uh, Wow. Lord, I don't know, honey. Wow. I and mean, why did you do that? Hmm? Why'd you sell out? Oh, let me explain that. Uh -huh. I know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, a year and a half after I uh, went in business, I became a Christian. And um, that changed, of course, everything. Became faithful to church and people of Baptist <coughs> with Brother Charles Wright. And five and a half years later, uh, in fact, it was on December the 19th. Uh, the Lord had dealt with me for a solid year. I had felt, but I mean, nobody ever explained to me what the call of God was like. So anyway, I, um, I settled it. Um, it was the same night of the Christian cantata that I made it. I made it public. And a side note to that is this. I went down to the altar and met Brother Wright at the front. And a real good friend. In fact, he was the brother-in-law of Curtis Hudson, which was the editor of the Sword of the Lord. <coughs> His name was Russell Geis, and he and he told me this later. He said, "Oh Lord, if if if, if Lev's not saved, I'm not saved." <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go down there to get saved. Yeah. Oh, he there. saw you come down, and he's he like, saw me uh, go down, and he knew up. that wasn't normal for me <laughs> to go over to the preacher. I mean, it was it was normal to go to the altar and pray, but not go to the preacher. But anyway. By the way, I'm leaving out all in, the part I'm leaving out in there is where God began to change my life. I started throwing stuff out, and I'm not going to go into those details, okay. but but there were just some things in my life. One of my will tell about was I got saved, and I got home, and in our house still we have a big old uh, stereo console that has a reel-to-reel -reel, um, in it that I have music. Still to this day, I've got music on it, and we had a turntable, but... <clears throat> but um, when I got saved, Lon and Sonia were four. I got saved in 72, so they were born in 68. And one of their favorite songs was uh, Petula Clark. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's, a, he's, he's talked a lot in his days. <laughs> a lot of voice projection. Yeah, honestly, Papa, it's so comfortable if you want to... If you, if you That's okay. No, it's my throat. Okay. okay. But anyway... Um, so I was, right after I got saved, I was listening to the music and Petula Clark was singing. She got to that point that said, 
<coughs> let the devil take to, tomorrow for tonight I need a friend. And it shocked me. I went into total shock because as an unsaved person, I didn't never even realize what she was saying. And here I am, probably been saved a week or two. And I said, oh my, I don't even know what I said, but I'll tell you what, that was the last time, that was it. And I couldn't believe it, but the girls were singing that song. Yeah. As four-year-olds, they, because they had heard it. And this is, you know, part of that transformation. And then, of course, uh, the cigarettes was another thing. By the way, I, I had alcohol. Yeah. I was not a drinker. I did drink some. Ne- never was a drunkard. But anyway, first thing came off the top of the refrigerator. Was your alcohol? Alcohol. And then did you did you throw your cigarettes immediately? No. I, try, I, I worked on that for about two years. Okay. I took two years. Yeah. It was, I could have quit earlier, but it was a When fresh, you finally decided? That was, was it. it? When I threw them away, I'd bought 10 acres of land in Griffin. Had three ponies that I inherited on that land. I was aggravated. Um, I had gone there and bought a pack of cigarettes. I smoked about two or three <clears throat> on the way there. Still under conviction about it. Mm-hmm. And I got there and I saw those ponies and I had not carried any food with me for them. And I, I, I got mad, personally, myself. Yeah. I was aggravated. And I remember uh, thinking, I've got to go into Griffin now, go to town, because this was out from town and I wanted up that pack of cigarettes and threw them over that fence and said dear God deliver me from these things never had another one since that day did you crave them no I've never craved them huh? really no because no. it was just like a supernatural thing where oh, yeah. you didn't want them anymore oh yeah wow. and the funny thing is and here's the funny thing about that <coughs> is that within within a week I was in a car with the man that was over the whole prison system and he was pouring his heart out to me. In fact, I was in a 1951 Studebaker Starlight Coupe. (laughs) And what it was is he had a lake at his house and the 10 acres I bought had a stream running through it and I was wanting to talk with him about building a lake. And so he wanted, I, I went, I think I picked him up at the prison, in fact. He started pouring his heart out to me, um, thinking that the, uh, maybe he's over the jail or something, but anyway, he was afraid there were some new county commissioners and he was just saying he'd worked all his life and here he is close to retirement and he's afraid that they're gonna fire him. Anyway, that was one of the, one of the um, um, first points where I felt like that the Lord was doing something as far as the call of God was concerned because I just won the victory over cigarettes, right? And then this right here, I felt a very special something going on there with that. I didn't win him, but anyway, I think I influenced him some. Oh, it was like it was like your opportunity with someone you had. Inf- uh, he was welcoming was, your input. Yeah, it okay. was a different kind of situation. I, I'd had many others at at Autocote. Okay. Uh, one of them was a, a guy I'd just been saved. Well, that was probably afterwards. But anyway, one of the ones at Autocote. I was I was the one that would always match colors because you know it's a you got to know what two colors to put together to get what other color. That reminds me of my mom. <laughs> yeah, so I was apparently pretty good at it. Okay. And uh, this guy that was a customer of mine had driven in, in a little old sports car and it had "Smile God Loves You" tag on the front. I went out with him and knelt down and was trying to match his paint. Uh-huh. 
And he said, just out of the clear blue, and I'm saved about two months. And he said, he said, if he knew what I did last night, he wouldn't love me. And I said, to her, I turned to him, I said, his name was Nicky Swanson. I said, Nicky, he does know what you did last night, and he does love you. But I was just two months old, three months old in the Lord. That same night, <clears throat> he was he was a party guy, and he would he would um, party at night, do a lot of drinking, get drunk, and then try to sleep it off, and then start later in the morning. That night, he went to his shop, and uh, he was drinking and working, but drinking. He, he and a shepherd, I think it was a shepherd dog. They, it was cold and the building was not heated. He cranked up a car, sat in, no. sat in the car. He and the dog died that oh. night. I just tried to give a soft witness to him. Wow. That same night, Nicky Swanson. I was preaching years ago in Cumming, Georgia, and I gave the illustration, and the preacher of the church, which is Keith Lee, said, he was a good friend of my parents. Wow. I know when he died. Wow. Wow. Anyway, so um, I... Um, I had surrendered to preach um, mm. in um, 77 and um, because I, I went to work at Autocoat in 70, I got saved, um, mid part of 70, um, it'd be 70, I got saved in 72 and then I surrendered to preach. So when I surrendered to preach, I went uh, to Johnny was my partner. By the way, I was a minority partner. He was majority partner. I did not own 50% of the company. <clears throat> I think I owned 20. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I went to Johnny and I said, I told him what I felt. And he got upset. Mm -hmm. Now, he's a Christian. Mm -hmm. But he got upset. And he said, somebody has twisted. He told somebody else. Somebody, he told him that somebody had twisted my ear. <laughs> And uh, and of course, we agreed that you know that I had to sell out, and uh, still I was trying to find you know my my way in the thing where to go. By this time, we're of course at People's Baptist. Brother Wright went to Tennessee Temple, and and I was thinking about, all my friend, my friends were saying, oh, great day, Lev, you can stay in business, stay here, go to Baptist University, uh, BUA, Baptist University of America, which was up in Decatur, Curtis Hudson, I think it started. But I didn't feel led that way, and I, I don't need to tell you how the Lord showed me. Up you to you, up to you, yeah. Well, we were in a, I was a deacon, and we were in a deacon's meeting, and Brother Wright wanted to do something for um, BUA said they had a financial need and one of the businessmen spoke up and said well brother Wright uh, they've owed me money and um, haven't paid and I've tried to you know work with it and uh, they're not they're not coming through I didn't say knew. anything but it was just like the Lord said okay it's not the place so it was only between BUA and Tennessee Temple so I settled it. I was going to Tennessee Temple. So I sold out um, to Johnny in uh, June. It took us six months to mm -hmm. clear everything. And um, I think at that time I sold out to him for like seven, just under 17000 Okay. You know, you're talking about 
May of 27, you know. Long time ago, yeah. But anyway, um, so we, um, I, I'm just, there's just so much, honey. Yeah, I know. Uh, we left <laughs> and went to, um, moved to Chattanooga. That's another miracle. Up and Maybe move your family. Tell us something about it, I don't know. Uh, she didn't really talk a lot about that. But, yeah, you guys... Yeah, you had little girls in Christian yep. school, and you was four. I, think. I will tell you what Mimi said, and that was that you were working full time and you were an honor student, and I thought that yeah, was I pretty awesome. I did. That's incredible. In fact, I can tell you what it was. It was three point four six. That's incredible. And I worked full time. Yeah. Where did you get that work ethic? Like it's just. Oh, it's just me. Like, yeah, your integrity in everything that you've done in your life. Like I told Mimi, I was like, if if I can raise my sons to have the integrity that you have, like, I would just feel like such a success as a mom. You know, honey, there are, there are people that get bent in certain directions, and, and mo- most of them that go the wrong direction have only just responded to the circumstance. Mm. And I really thank God. There were times I could have messed my life up. I, if I were to detail that out, I could have messed my life up big time as far as just getting involved with the wrong people, <clears throat> um, messing up sexually. Mm-hmm. But just the Lord preserved me through all that. And there were opportunities. I mean, there were. I'm just telling yeah. you. Yeah. But I think he kept his hand on me. But um, but I did learn some things from Daddy in a in a in a backward kind of way. I learned what I didn't want to be. And uh, I mean, I was stupid for ever even taking a drink, you know. Really. But anyway, where I was um, headed was we moved up there. We bought that little house. It was a little mill town house, but it was perfect for us. Mm. Leaving out a lot of details here. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I did. Uh, I worked through school, and I would work. This kind of funny. <clears throat> Me and another guy from Fayetteville, Dennis McDaniel. I bought a dump truck. We went to Virginia and got it. It was like a 1956, like a two-ton dump truck. We were going into firewood business. <laughs> yeah. And I was the guy with the money. Yeah. Anyway. So a lot of times those big timber companies, they would go in there and cut all the pine out, but they'd leave the oak laying all around. They let they would let guys come in, you'd just take a territory. Well it didn't work out so well for us to get a territory. And one day we had that truck out in the middle of the woods, me and Dad and uh Dennis Chainsaws, axes, and throw that wood up on that truck. Now jump up on that truck, and I said, "Dennis, this is not working. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Got to get a job." So then you sold the dump truck. Yeah, yeah. I sold the dump truck, and uh, he got a job at Roadway, and told me that uh, the guy there said to have me to call him. I did. This was while you were in Tennessee? Okay. I should actually tell you the first thing that happened. I got to Tennessee, and one of the sales reps that called on us called Hearts Parts, a parts company that had parts stores all over 
Chattanooga. And they told whoever the hire guy was, said, you need to call this guy and hire him if you can get him. That would be me. <laughs> so they called me. Wow. And uh, that was the... Uh, the third time you didn't have an app, you didn't go in. They just sought you out. Well, I worked with them, and it was part-time. And um, and I forget exactly why. I'd, I don't even remember why I wanted to quit them. Mm. But Dennis uh, had gotten on that roadway, and he told me that the guy there told him to have me to call him. Mm -hmm. I did. <clears throat> I got hired. But the truckers went on strike oh. immediately after. In other words, I don't have a job. Oh, so, wow. So that's out. He goes over to Smith MR&R, which is another truck line, and gets a job, and they tell him, tell me, come in. <laughs> <laughs> I come in, I get a job, and he didn't last another month. <laughs> and I worked to the day I moved. And here's what's funny. I moved to Columbus to start a church, and they wanted me to drive back up there and work a couple days a week. Did you do From, it? No. Did you start a church in Columbus? Yes. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I don't think so. Well, yeah, we started uh, People's Baptist in Columbus, stayed there four years. So and would that be the People's Baptist that I know? No, Different. but we named it People's Baptist after okay. the people said I... Okay. And uh, we had a lot of people saved. In a military town, army. Hmm. A lot of guys coming in and hmm. training and going out. And I remember one week we had 20 some people saved in one week. These are, we're talking about adult people. Yeah. But anyway, I pastored that church. First year I took nothing in salary at all. I had two churches support me and wow. Mimi worked. Yeah. Now I wouldn't do this again, but I did it then. Okay. And then uh, second year, I think that the church paid me seventy-five a week. Third year, one hundred fifty. And wow. the fourth year was three hundred. Wow. The church building. This is um, a nice little note. <clears throat> when we moved to Columbus to start the church, obviously there's so much I had to leave out. Yeah. When we moved there to start the church, I was looking for a building to start the church in. Cold Turkey, just me, Mimi, and uh, the girls. And uh, I spotted a little house that um, I thought looked looked sort of like a the front porch, you know, kind of looked like a church entrance, and it was for rent. It was on Main Highway, Mark Warm Springs. And I contacted the lady, and it was a German real estate agent. And she set up an appointment for us on Friday. On Thursday, I was out in the den at this 5820 Dearborn praying. <clears throat> and we had been to this little church on Wing Road when we first came to town, and they really had not done, really done anything at all hardly. And I'm on my knees praying, and I said, just out of clear blue. I said, Lord, if they're not going to build a church there, would you give that building to me? I'm telling the truth, <laughs> Bethany. Phone rang and it was that lady and she said, my battery has blown up and I cannot meet with you. <laughs> wow. At the same time, almost, 
one of the men in the church called me. He said, Brother Lev, can I meet with you? This is after I prayed that prayer. And Bethany, you know what the Lord told me in my heart? Not in an audible voice. They're going to give you that building. Oh, wow. So I knew. I knew what he wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. And he said, can we meet at Shoney's? And I said, sure. Shoney's. We're sitting there at, <laughs> in Shoney's. He said, Brother Lev, the men have met. We have met and we've talked about this. We want to give you the building and you start your church and whoever wants to stay can stay. I said, sure. <laughs> thought you'd never ask. Guess what? What? They all left. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday morning, first Sunday morning we, we had church. It was me and Mimi and, and Lori and Sonia. And Aunt Lada? Lana was homesick. Oh, no. <laughs> she couldn't take moves or changes. It was working Okay, on. okay. It was just you. Yeah. I preached this like the church before. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, I preached to Mimi and Lori and Sonia. Well, that was Sunday school. Sunday morning, a young family came in that was a part of the other church. And that was uh, Brian and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I'll give, I'll give that to you in a minute. He became a song leader. <laughs> anyway, um, they gave me the church, but they also gave me the $11,000 mortgage that was left on it. Oh, wow. That's fine. It was a church building, nice building, everything furnished there. House next door, three acres of land. So you lived there? No. Oh. Used it for Sunday school. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, so they gave me the church and uh, the building, and um, we started uh, People's Baptist, and uh, I knocked on doors. Did you really? That's what I was going to ask. I'm going to speak of doors. I'm going to shut this door because I can hear my kids. Um, you knocked on doors through the week yeah. to fill it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then that... Let me tell you about one door. Please do. Hello. Okay, members of my church. They were the last house that I knocked on. And I started to quit. Just, and not knock on it. But I knocked on that door and it took them a minute they came to the door. And I, by the way, I can't remember their names right now. Yeah. That doesn't matter. Yeah. They came to the door and I told them who I was and what I was doing and they invited me in. They were sitting there discussing suicide. Oh my. Yeah. And they both got saved. Wow. Came to my church, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you think, like, what if you hadn't? Yeah. Oh yeah. But anyway. Wow. So, um, we, you know, we kept growing and we'd lose, we'd win them and then lose them. Military would send them out. Win them and lose them. Win them and lose them. But we, you know, we were, attracting mm-hmm. people. But there came a point at three years and I had all kind of physical problems. I don't mean we probably didn't say anything. No, about nothing. But um and I won't go into detail about it, but what happened was something happened in my lower back. Okay. Excuse me, in my neck. And um I've had lower back trouble too all long time. From George Power by the way. Okay. But I had something but one of my vertebrae is in my neck and it 
went down this arm. It was uh, a pinched nerve so bad that I had a red streak and a yellow streak that went all the way down my arm. I couldn't lean down. I, I, I was, it was terrible. And this went on for years. And, uh, but uh, three years into being there, I began to feel like the Lord uh, was moving me. I didn't know where and I didn't look for nothing. Yeah. And uh, that whole year, I just, you know, I just prayed, but I felt like that, you know, probably, and the church was stable. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like that I needed to move on somewhere. And a man had come, had put me down as a reference, and the church in Niceville had come to hear him preach in another church in town, and they had fired him before they got there, and they had already painted his name off the sign. Oh, wow. So they came over to ask me about him. And uh, and while they're at it, they're asking me questions. Oh, yeah. Mm. And... Uh, we had our conversation, they left. A few weeks later, they called me and they said, we, uh, we, I have not been able to work things out with this man. Would you be interested in coming? I ignored him. Did you really? I did, for a bit. Mm -hmm. And we talked on and on, you know, and then finally I said, you mentioned this a, minute, a few minutes ago, mm -hmm. I said, have y'all talked about it and prayed about it? And he said, we have. I said, well, I won't be a candidate. But I said, I'm bringing the girls down to Pensacola for college days. If you'd like me to come there and just preach, I, I'd be glad to do that and just, you know, pray about it. And say, so say, sure. So we all went down to Niceville, <laughs> stayed in the East Gate Motel. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, people were coming up to, to me after I, we'd been there on that Sunday. And you just preached the one morning service? All day. Okay. And uh, people were coming up to me and said, we won't use our pastor. I said, I'm not a candidate. I mean, you know, I just had to let it be known I, I'm not a candidate. And... Um, they kept, we left, the girls went to college, school, uh, you know, to the college days. Mm -hmm. We we left and went back home. I called Brother Wright, and uh, I said, Brother Wright, I said, these people are calling me and, you know, want me to be a candidate. And I said, I've never, uh, kind of like a job, mm -hmm. never candidated, no. And I'm not sending stuff out. And he mm -hmm. said, well, Ed, have you ever thought maybe Maybe ask them if they, maybe have thought about having a three-day meeting and maybe that, that'll give you all time to get to know each other. Mm. I said, well, I'll look at it, I'll ask them. And they said, sure. So we went back down again. And by the way, the second time we went, Mimi couldn't go. Oh, really? She was working. Working, okay. Yeah, and she had just changed jobs. And anyway, so it was me and the girls. Cause you, and were you taking them to the college at that point? No. That okay, was the they first were time. still visiting. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, so we went, and uh, I preached Sunday. It was kind of the same thing. Monday I preached, same thing. 
the preacher was an interim pastor and he had pastored the church before and it had gone way down. Okay. But he was interim pastor right then. And uh, we were supposed to go out visiting on Tuesday morning. Well, instead of visiting, we're sitting there in that little office and uh, he's telling me how bad it is and how horrible and that he didn't think anybody could straighten it out. The church had been uh -huh. through some trouble. Okay. And uh, I went back to the motel and I told the girls, I'm preaching tonight and tomorrow night and we're going home, that's it. Yeah. Because he said, ain't nobody can straighten it out. And it's like the Lord said, that's true. Mm. Nobody can straighten it out. <laughs> but I can. So he got me straight on that. And um, I preached Wednesday night and uh, we went home. And uh, we talked a few more times. And they, uh, I finally I allowed them. I told them I'd be a candidate, and mm -hmm. I, I I told them that I, I, that they could vote on me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I told Mimi that if it wasn't ninety five percent, I wouldn't go. Oh wow! It was ninety five percent. Wow! Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were there for a long, long, long time. <laughs> Thirty one years. Thirty one years. Yeah. That's amazing. 31 years, and uh, it was great, really. I had a few spots here. And there. Of course, of course. You know. Like every, everything. Mm -hmm. And then that's that's when, like, my mom, and, my mom and Aunt Londa got married, and Aunt Lori, and, yeah, growing up in Niceville, some of my most fun memories, you know, are just, like, living right around the corner from yeah, you guys. We had so much we fun. We ate at Ryan's. And... Every, oh, if it wasn't Ryan's, it was... Uh, uh, B. What is it? B. Um, in Fort Walton Beach, it was called. Well, Ryan's is the one we ate at. Was the buffet. But think about oh, you're the talking one. about Barn Hill. Barn Hill. That's it. Barn Hill. You're right. It's Barn Hill. Yeah, Barnhill. we could go out either that way, and then when they opened up Ryan's at Crestview, yeah, that's, that's when that's we started right. going there yeah. every Sunday, mm -hmm. or unless it was a holiday in mm -hmm. which Mimi would, you know. But yeah, it was just so much fun. We had such a good time. Just oh man, I love those days. Good wow. memories. Yeah, and um, along the way, just so you were talking about the entrepreneurial mm -hmm. spirit. Years ago, this is just for them to understand okay. later, and you. Mm -hmm. There came a point, you have to understand that when the farm sold, Granny had probably had some guidance on this, but Granny had written in the will that the farm could not be sold for five years, but it had to be sold in 10. Mm. The intention was not to have anybody fight over it to begin with. On the other hand, have everybody to be able to enjoy the benefit of it. So when um, Uncle Gerard and Aunt Fanny moved to the little town, uh, after Granny had died, they had lived there for a while, but anyway, Uncle Draw began to realize that, that with all these siblings that he had, some of them had some attitudes. Mm. I wouldn't want this to go out anywhere, but they're um, gone. Oh, okay. They're passed away. Mm. Some of their, their kids are there, but I'm not naming any. Of course. But Uncle Draw just felt he just had to get out of the house and let them do what they wanted to do. So the house, 
Um, Gail, Nancy, and I were, we were one eighth. So there were eight heirs. There were eight, it was going to be split eight ways. Mm -hmm. So Gail, Nancy, and I took a third mm -hmm. of the eighth, mm -hmm. which meant every year when it was sold, it was sold for 900,000. Uh, wow. The interest on that was 200,000 over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So it was sold basically for a million, a hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. So every year, Sir uh, Gail and Nancy and I would get a check, uh, sometimes 4,000, wow. sometimes 4,500. It all depended on, uh, uh, I forget, there was something that changed it. I can't remember what it was now. Wasn't always the same, but it was pretty close. Okay. And the reason I'm telling you this is because that was at the same, about the same time that I went to Bible school. Wow. And and to uh, Columbus, and I got my last check when we were in Niceville. Wow. So I spent all that money, all my inheritance, yeah. keeping the kids in school and paying in bills. In Christian school at that? Christian school. Sonia and London. Uh, Which is not cheap. No, Lori had never been in a in a, a public school. Lon and Sonia took them out in the third grade because of evolution, and uh, I could explain that. But anyway, teacher had put a, a, a bulletin board up, and one of the books she was recommending was a case of the missing link. She claimed she thought it was a mystery, and I corrected her that it was not mystery it was evolution she said I'll get it down fact is she didn't get it down I went I went to the principal his name was Mr. Lee and I said Mr. Lee I'm gonna go ahead and pay my taxes so you can teach down here at this school but I'm taking my girls out because I'm not gonna have you teaching them different than what we teach them at church and home I make a hard. I made a hard decision, and I was just a brand new Christian. And, you know, they were third. Uh, I think they were third grade, and what would that put them? Six or seven? What would that be? Um, eight. Yeah, eight. I took them out. I said, "I'm going to do. What? I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to pay the price. I don't agree with it, but I told him what happened, and I could still see him, Bethany. He had his tie, and he was crooking his neck, trying to straighten his tie. He was uncomfortable. Uh, very uncomfortable. And I just said, I just don't want him taught different down here. He said, it only comes up every now and then. I said, too much. Anyway, so from that time on, it was, uh, we're going to teach him the same thing at home or in Christian school. That we teach at church, home, <laughs> school. That's how that happened. But so I'm telling you that to tell you this. So every year I spent that money. Mm -hmm. Last check I got was $10,000. Oh, wow. By the time I paid stuff up, we're talking about at this time the girls were in college, and mm -hmm. I think I had three thousand. I prayed a prayer. I said, "Lord, that's all I got left from Mama's inheritance." For example, if I hadn't used it up, four times nine is twenty-seven plus ten is thirty-seven thousand mm -hmm. dollars, right? Beats me, but sounds good. So I've been, I invested every bit of that. Yeah. In education. Education and paying bills. Yeah. Okay. Keeping a testimony. So I said, Lord, that's all I got. Would you just show me 
how to make that into something. I bought a little mobile home park in Villa Tassa. That was my first one, I think. You bought the whole park? Yeah. It for didn't $3,000? Turn out, it didn't turn out good. Okay. I paid twenty five for it. Okay. But I had two potheads in there, and they were constantly fighting, and they would put sprinklers, water sprinklers, on top of their mobile homes to cool the top, and I'm paying the water bill. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I couldn't eject. I couldn't get them out. Yeah. And I could, I'm preaching, pastoring, so I couldn't get in a confrontation. And so the, I knew that the older man that rented from me, uh, his son-in-law was interested in buying it. So a year later, I sold it to him, I think, for 28000 Okay. So I came out. That was, my, that was my first deal. Yeah. Since then, I've had several. <laughs> yeah. I Ever since I've been around, you've had a lot going on. Yeah. I won't go into that here, but I bought the it mountaintop is. lots in Blairsville. Bought the little mobile home. Anyway. At least for longevity's sake, just just to know that that's the type of person you are, that you are always wheeling and dealing. <laughs> and you always have a... You, you have a good like eye for something special because I even remember when you came and visited us after Moses was born. We were driving and you were like, oh, pull over right there. And so we pulled over and we found this lot that you were like, so if I was doing this, I would have the, the county... Um, like, you know, segregate the lot and then I would buy the house, fix the house up and then sell the lot separate. And I just remember thinking, yeah, it's so smart. Like just those little things that you always have a knack for. I like to call it scrappy, you know, get, you can kind of get scrappy with it. It's really cool. It's kind of like this, uh, Bethany, um, I, it's part of what I pray to is Lord, just tell me what I need to know. And if I don't need to know it, I'm okay with it. And if I go into a situation where I'm going to be wheeling dealing, yeah, <laughs> I want to have the upper hand. Yeah. In other words, not to cheat anybody, but no. to, you need to know what questions to ask and that kind of thing. Um, but uh, the reason mm-hmm. I told you that about uh, uh, praying that prayer, I also had learned some things from some preachers that I love. And one thing that I learned from some of them was that they had fallen into the um, mindset that you sacrifice everything for the ministry. So you live in a pastorium, right? And um, those kind of things. The only problem, and I'm not against living in a pastorium, but what I saw some of them do was they did, they, uh, they did sacrifice, but what happened to them was is as they got older, some of them became diabetic, some of them had a stroke, some of them some of them lived in a pastorium. They didn't the church uh, that was great for the church, but it wasn't good for them. Hmm. So when they started facing the reality that they couldn't carry on, where are they gonna go? Hmm. Well they haven't had a house and they haven't had a savings. They didn't think who are they gonna live ahead. with? Right. And then the church starts talking and says, you know, church is going down and pastors getting up in age and we need to attract young people and we need a new preacher mm. where's he going so what I started seeing was this I can't trust that church mm-hmm. to take care of me and and especially take care of Shirley Mimi in case something happens to me 
what's going to happen to her? Right. So I started trying to make a plan, hmm. just taking a step at a time and not knowing really what direction to go, but to make sure that at some point that she's not have to worry about. If if the if Lord took me on, she's taken care of. House paid for, cars paid for, money to bank. Yeah. <laughs> it's inspiring. So right now. Yeah. Right now, something happens to me. Yeah. She's taken care of. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And yeah. I and obviously you know this, but if anything happened to you, even if <laughs> she could we would never let her be without but no I know you wouldn't yeah but it is still just it's so inspiring to hear like your forethought so long ago when that when you were the you know like you know how men can be (laughs) indestructible I didn't want to I didn't want to have I just didn't want to have the same thing happen that I'd seen so many good men yeah and some of them it, it was innocent of course, yeah, of course. <coughs> it's kind of the same philosophy, and I, I could go on on Bethany, but the same philosophy about church. Mm. I've heard preachers say, we live by faith. It comes in, we, we spend it. Mm. Well, that, at, at, at our church faith, mm-hmm. we, we never borrowed a dime, and we built seven or eight building programs. When I resigned the church, there was half a million dollars there and no debt. It's incredible. All the buildings have been built or rebuilt. Wow. So, you know. Yeah. I just, uh, and I mean, we started some buildings when we we didn't have enough to do the whole thing, but by the time we was done, and I never preached one message on giving. Wow. What I'm talking about is one whole message on giving, never did. Like, yeah, you're not saying tithe, tithe, mm-hmm. right. I pre- I preach the truth and I mention tithing, but I've never preached a message on it. But Lord always provided for us. You know why there's so many empty spots in in what I've said. I know there is, and I feel like I could just keep asking questions for hours. But I just really appreciate your time. Let me tell you this. Yeah. When I was uh, when I was uh, back to that peanut selling boy, uh-huh. just right. Well, I was nine years old when this happened. Um, my daddy was a drunk, and I knew where his bottle was. And I don't, Bethany, I don't know what ticked me. I don't know what got me. But um, um, I already was sick, apparently. I didn't know it. They didn't know it. But I got that bottle of liquor and, and started pouring it down, and Dad got me. And uh, and uh, stopped me. Of course, he was drinking and all that. Mm-hmm. He didn't hit me or anything like that. Um, but uh, that's that's what sent me to the hospital for mm-hmm. six days. When you were a kid, I had bronchial pneumonia, and it was at the same time that I did that. Yeah. So I lived under a tent in the hospital for six days. Why did you? I'm sorry. I, I'm a little confused. Why did you? get sick I already was sick but when that happened it it exasperated it it made you it it revealed I see that I had the problem and I lost my breath and and uh, wow and so that took me to the hospital and I can still smell that smell they they put me under a, a tent and they vaporized it with a some kind of a 
How can you still smell it? Like, like in essential oil? Huh? Like in essential oil? Some. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it was. See that right there? Uh-huh. And the, and the nurses in there would come in, that dimple. Yeah. And they'd say, that's where the angel kissed you. <laughs> nurses in the hospital when I'm under this tent. I did not know that you were in the hospital for six days. Yeah. When you were a kid. For bronchopneumonia. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you almost died? Obviously, if you were at the hospital at that time. I don't know if they said that or not. I never. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. But anyway, kind of funny how little things like that you, mm-hmm. you remember. I could forget a whole lot of stuff. But yeah. For them telling me because yeah. I had a very pronounced dimple, dimple right there in that. <laughs> the angel kissed you. Or the angel kissed you. Wow. Another thing, by the way. Is uh, and this didn't. I don't think this is the place that set me off. But Daddy tied a uh, string to the door mm-hmm. uh, with the door open. I'd be on the other side of that door, for example, and he tied one string to a tooth, oh. and the other to the door. Not meant to close the door. That's how you lost your tooth. That's how he pulled them to. Oh my! Yeah. I remember one time he did it with pliers, just regular pliers. Mm. Mm. It wasn't fun. No. Did you cry when you didn't get a balloon? <laughs> I was telling him I don't remember getting a balloon. Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just messing with you. Oh. I don't know. I might have. I don't know what that was. I don't. I have I have a few memories of uh, of uh, maybe around the age of five. I remember. I remember throwing. On my pocket knife open blade at the wall the door front door was there and it was like we had the front porch right here and then the door was there and right when I threw that knife mom came out <gasps> oh, but it didn't hit her oh. but it scared her real good I remember that <laughs> <laughs> she's probably like yelling at you to stop that yeah wow well anything anything you want to add for Anything you want people to know you by? Anything you want to add on that before we? I've left out that you know how do you how do you put seventy something years in? Yeah. How many minutes? Forty five. Uh, we're at an hour ten. You kidding me? Uh uh-uh. uh. I talk as long as I preach. <laughs> There's just so many empty. Yeah. spots there so many things I I can tell I, I, I should write it down but you do I know you do <clears throat> you know what Bethany I started writing out a whole bunch of stuff years mm-hmm. two three or four years ago and when I was preaching in Georgia at um, um, for Keith Lee mm-hmm. we were in a motel room and somehow or another, I had my my iPad here and my laptop over there, and somehow or another, my um, iPad downloaded all my notes to my computer. I don't even know how it happened. So was it in your computer? And it was, it, it downloaded it. And so when I was on my iPad, on my regular uh, laptop, I said, I don't want all this stuff over here, and I hit delete, delete everyone. Well, that's where it was. It had deleted it from here, sent it from here to there. How much was it that you lost? All of it. Oh, Papa, that's so all sad. All of it. Oh. Everything. Oh, all those so notes sad. I've written all my life. 
Yeah. All of everything. Are you serious? Oh. I've, I've tried everywhere in the world. I went to Best Buy and, oh. um, in Dallas. That's where it was, Dallas, Georgia. And that guy tried. They were trying to find it. Wow. I got some. I found some, but it was not any not of that. Not comprehensive. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing all oh, this. Well. I'm excited. Well, <laughs> the main thing that I want them to yep. know is that I'm... Of course, saved, born again, and uh, I'm uh, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I love you. And I want everybody to go with me. <laughs> and I still pray, Charlotte and Mom and I. Me and I pray every day. Every day. <clears throat> for all of our kids, grandkids, great-grands. Great Jordan and Ed, this little baby, we're praying for every day. Thank you so much, anyway, Papa. Love you. I love you too. It's a lot more of that story. Yep. <laughs> uh.